We're back. We're back. It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? Fantastic, man. I'm fantastic. Oh. Thanks for asking. That's good. I'm Sorry, so was that too much? I was trying to do more energy. <laughs> no, no. Yes, that's right. I get thrown when people actually respond with enthusiasm and great vigor. So it's, it, I'm throw. I am now thrown myself, and I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know if I should ratchet up the enthusiasm by being like, "Oh my God, I'm fantastic too!" Wow. We're <laughs> gonna do the like, whole podcast at that register. Just yeah, it would be real like Muppets back and forth. It'd, yeah, it'd be real Clearwater, Florida vibes. Hey, we have a guest <laughs> this week, Roth. Uh, oh, really? It's our own friend at Defector, Kelsey McKinney. Hi, Kelsey. Oh, yeah, she's great. Hi, Drew. Hi, Roth. How's How it going? You doing, Kelsey? Are you uh, are you uh, at home or are you uh, talking to us from your favorite Zillow home on Airbnb? Uh, sadly, I'm in my terrible small apartment. I <laughs> have no great Zillow homes for you currently. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, congratulations are in, in order. Because in 2021, Kelsey McKinney becomes a officially published novelist. That's right. Yay, Kelsey. Wow. Oh, my God. Great. Thank you, Drew. The book is God. All the novelist parties with Drew. The, the book is God Spare the Girls. It's out on June 22nd. I think you're going to hit. I think you're, I think you're going to have some good luck. You're right in the. Uh, in the sort of Fauci zone where, like, apparently, <laughs> hopefully everyone is vaccinated by then. So you could, like, have an actual book signing and have people show up and you could, like, throw up out of nervousness with people showing up at your book signing. Yeah, I didn't know that this podcast was offering tarot readings now, but I'm really happy to hear this <laughs> result. It's very good news for me. But, yeah, also it would be better if I never had to see anyone in person ever again. <laughs> it would be funny if there was a tarot card that was just a picture of yourself wearing a smoking jacket. Sitting behind a table. Yeah, but there would be a bad one. That, I that know. Would be I mean, like, it would just be like, you'd seldom see it used. Like, there's the one where the guy's upside down, he's got swords sticking out of him. Like, obviously, that's worse. But the one where you're at, like, a Borders in Indianapolis is probably also not a tarot card you want to see. Yeah, it doesn't seem good. Yeah, I don't like actual, I don't like tarot cards being used for their actual purpose. Like, an actual, I think I got a tarot card reading. It meant nothing. I like it when they're, like, weird talismans in, like, puzzle games and shit like if i'm playing the room on my iphone my and favorite a, uh, oh go ahead no no i really had nothing else interesting to say so go ahead Kelsey. oh i was just gonna say that my favorite part about tarot readings is that they always tell you they're like there are no bad cards all the cards are good but there is secretly one bad card called the tower and so they always tell me there's no bad cards and then they flip over the tower and they're like ah shit What's Why the is tower? the tower bad? I don't know. I never understand it because they spend so much time walking it back that I have no idea what it means. Chaos, I think. Ooh. Well, you wouldn't expect chaos in a tower. You expect, like, shut-ins and but things one, of that nature. The one where the guy is dead, has been hanged to death in, until, until dead, that's not bad? I think you could twist it to be good. Oh, okay. I think that's the key. Like, yeah, uh, this is actually your haters. This isn't you. Exactly. The death of your haters. And that would be sad. But at the same time, like, because my haters motivate me. Like, I need them. <laughs> Knowing how angry they are that I'm on this podcast right now, that's what keeps my energy level at these incredible highs. That's why when, it's fantastic. Uh, when the tower card appears in a tarot reading, according to BiddyTarot.com, that's in a, just a fantastic side name, expect the unexpected <laughs> massive change, upheaval, Destruction and chaos. It may be divorce, death of a family member. Yeah, okay, so the tower's not so good. <laughs> those, are, 
those are the examples they gave for like they couldn't have been like you're gonna get like a a new car no i'm looking at the tower right now i'm looking at the card first of all the tower's on fire (laughs) and it's being struck by lightning simultaneously that's salient someone is that actually makes it a lot more yeah it's all coming together now like someone's falling out of it it's raining there are like stalactites <laughs> under the tower, and there's a woman impaled on one of them. That's me. So, so yeah, Kelsey, so- <laughs> when you when you've seen this card, and they're like, "Oh, this is actually not what it looks like." Like, what did they try to sell you on that? The last time I had one, the last time I was revealed the tower, I had asked a friend of mine about my like living situation because I'm desperate to move. And she opened the tower and her eyes got like as big as dinner plates. And she was like, well, you know, I guess this could be that just like moving is a chaotic time and maybe. And I was like, okay, yeah, good try. (laughs) You're like, that's on fire. Like that's one of the things that when you're talking about homes, that's a word you don't want to hear at all. Yeah. Turns out you're moving to South Dakota. that's, (laughs) That's not good. Would you guys like to talk about some sports? Oh, I guess. Okay. I guess. Whatever. Uh, just Always as, wants to talk about sports. Uh. I know. Just as we, uh, just as we recorded this, uh, it's good to have Kelsey on because Kelsey is our uh, – I, I don't think she actually wanted this job, but somehow she stumbled <laughs> into becoming the defector coronavirus tracker uh, for the NFL. Uh, just last night – we're recording this on Wednesday. Just last night, uh, the Ravens played the Cowboys – Right before that game started, Des Bryant was informed that he had tested positive for coronavirus uh, after he had hugged many, many, many people on the field and was caught on, well, I don't say caught because it was what should have been a rather natural occurrence before a football game. A team staffer took a photo of Des doing this and posted it online saying, you know, uh, posted a tweet saying, oh, this here's Des greeting everybody, but then the test result came in and they scrubbed that tweet and Des himself <laughs> tweeted like, what the fuck? I have coronavirus? I don't know if I want to play anymore. <laughs> so it was like, it was, uh, it was like the Dodgers, uh, situation. But before a game. Yeah. Yeah. Before a game. So, which is even worse. So God only knows, you know, who Des like infected in, in those pregame warm-ups and all that. Uh, and I am numb to all this shit now. I'm, like, officially numb to it. I just don't. I can't bring myself to give a shit anymore. Kelsey, how do you feel about this? I feel, you know, just thumbs up. I feel great about what's going on in the NFL. Um, the bomb. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I feel bomb about it. Um, you're... You're right, Drew. I did not want this job, um, but I kept doing this thing in Slack where I was like, what if someone did a spreadsheet of when all of these guys were coming on and off the COVID-19 reserve list? That would probably be interesting and cool, knowing that it's a terrible job and I didn't want to do it. Um, and I said that enough times that one of our editors was like, oh, great idea. You do it. And I was like, no. Hmm. Who, who was the editor? So we can ye- yell at them. The dreaded Justin. Fucking Justin. Dug this grave for wow. me. Wow. So... I did do it, and now every day, you know, I log on and I type in yet another player, or, you know, yesterday, eight, onto the COVID-19 reserve list in my spreadsheet, um, which is awful. And, yeah, I feel also very numb at this point about what's happening. This is also especially sad for Kelsey because she's of that very narrow and extremely valuable 
tranche of humanity that are recreational spreadsheet users. Yeah, it's not great for me in that I like the spreadsheet and it feels nice to me when all the things are filled in. And every day that they add another guy to this list, there are columns that aren't filled in, like, you know, when he comes back. So it's unfortunate for me. It seems like the Des Bryant thing, I mean, obviously that poor guy's been through so much and like, this is exactly the sort of thing that would happen to him. But then as we were talking about it last night, trying to sort of go backwards through the process of how a guy with, it seemed like two inconclusive tests before the final positive test that, you know, like that's how he managed to find out on the field after warming up and all that. It just seems like going back through the processes that led to this, like, being numb to it is is the only real response that you have. There's all these rules, but they're all very stupid and insufficient. And so in some ways, it's like the Ravens can say, oh, we didn't do anything wrong because like our, you know, our standard is that these guys have to, if they're wearing masks, they can be inside talking indefinitely. Or if they're there for 14 minutes instead of 15, it's fine. And it seems like they, you know, they hit all those stupid marks But, like, they're also still in the middle of this, like, rolling outbreak. Yeah, Tom wrote this on the site this morning, and this is absolutely true, that the only reason Des Bryant got pulled from this game is because the Baltimore Stadium is close to the testing site. Right. So the only reason they got this test result back before the game started instead of today is that they were nearby the people that could tell them whether it was positive or not. And what that means is that if this had happened anywhere else... Des Bryant would have been confirmed positive today after playing in an NFL game. Which, luckily for the NFL, they don't consider that close contact. So, you know, just heaving your body at another person, that's that's fine. <laughs> they don't. I also think that now that, uh, now that the vaccine is on the horizon, like, to me, I, I think by fall, I think there will be enough uh, vaccinations that they'll be able to fill NFL stadiums again. And I think the NFL is essentially counting on that because once uh, 2021 season arrives, they will basically bank on the nation's non-existent attention span to, to say that, oh yeah, we did a great job in 2020 and no one died. And, uh, and now we get to keep going as things usually have, and they'll be able to do that. Like I don't, I got, I got to share some poison with you guys from last night in advance. This, oh, no. this is from Schefter. On Tuesday night, before Lamar Jackson took the field, Lamar Jackson had coronavirus, was on the COVID list, along with 9,000 other players on the Ravens. They're, right. they're like their basically own. every guy you know on the Ravens was on yes. the COVID IR. Yes. They were the ultimate herd immunity experiment. So Schefter, like a chirpy asshole, he tweets, One thing to monitor tonight is how Ravens QB Lamar Jackson fares in his return from COVID and how much he can play versus the Cowboys. Each player responds differently. Many have lost weight and some have struggled to play a full game. More ahead on ESPN's NFL Live at 4 p.m. So, <sighs> so really, that's an interesting thing to monitor. I agree. I'll it's be just, monitoring that all year long. Is it? <laughs> everything, about, everything about this crisis has made it clear that Schefter will never stop being Schefter. And I that know. is... In some ways reassuring, but also just totally fucked up. It's also, it's funny, like, his job, obviously, as he understands it, is to be just, like, the house ghoul for NFL owners. Like, you know, like, the little guy that dances for Jabba the Hutt and then he eats him? That's, like, Adam Schefter's (laughs) job. Yeah, like, whatever, in the broader NFL universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he ever thought it would involve this shit. 
Yeah, but I don't think he gives a shit. No, I don't think he does. But I thought it's, you know, this is one of the, the great points that Kelsey has made in her compiling this information and in, in uh, you know, she did a post on it, is the, the rarity of the game day positive, uh, which, I mean, you know, the Des one was a very rare one, but then we don't have Tuesday night football every uh, week either. But that, like, it seems like Schefter has really especially pushed that particular bit of, like, specious positivity and it's exactly like the line that the NFL would push. Would just be like, you know, like when it's time to play the game, like you know, we're sending the healthiest guys out there, which is like I don't even understand how you're bragging about that shit. It's even worse, to be honest, when you look at how long the players spend on the list, which is something we can't like. I can't blog about yet because I don't have the full season of data to look at. But I mean, I'm looking at these Ravens that they're like celebrating being back in the game that were out right before Thanksgiving and half of them eyeballing this look like they were out for less than six days. They were on the list for less than six days. So if these guys tested positive, imagine having any kind of cold even and being asked to play at a professional level five days later. Like that's insane. (laughs) It's definitely they also they all have access to like the White House COVID drugs too. So like and I don't think they're talking about it, but you know, they're gonna because of the resources, they're gonna get through the season without anybody dying. Although someone I, I shouldn't laugh, but you know, the Dodgers, I'm gonna go back to that because they had the World Series uh celebration with Justin Turner on the field. They took his mask off. Uh, people got infected. A Dodger scout died this week of COVID. I don't know if he was on the field for that celebration or not. Probably not. But I don't think he was. Well, but essentially, essentially, baseball isn't going to give a shit. So long as it's only the little people dying, and this is true of the government uh, as well, then they're going to keep doing it the way that they've been doing it. Right. Do you think that somebody, even with the status of like, let's say a like front staff assistant, right? Not even like a food worker, but a front staff assistant who gets COVID. Do you think they're getting the same kind of care that Lamar Jackson is from the Ravens? Like, absolutely not. No, No, of course This is what's been infuriating about, I mean, well, it's infuriating because like, it looks like Rudy Giuliani is going to survive his dance with the coronavirus. But also like, there's something about, you know, him and and Trump getting that, like, steroid, uh, like, sort of retroviral cocktail thing. But I don't remember exactly what all is in it. But the thing that made Trump stay up for, like, four straight days posting in all caps <laughs> and be like, I can fly short distances. And everybody's like, you sure can, sir. Like, if Giuliani gets that, like, a man who's just, like... His blood type is just a Bloody Mary at this point. Like, this is just right. a very... <laughs> A very unhealthy man who is, like, disgusting to boot. And, like, he fucking gets it. Like, he just goes to the hospital and they're like, we're going to give you some stuff that's going to, like, it'll keep you alive. And also, like, it's going to give you the ability to be, like, even grosser. Like, if, <laughs> like, if you can be awake drinking for 19 hours a day if you want. Yeah, they just throw donated livers at Rudy, like, when he arrives at the God, hospital. And it's like, like oh. <laughs> fucking 2,000 people die every day yep. for lack of interest in this stuff. Like, it's just, I don't know. I mean, you're, I think you're right. I hadn't thought that uh, the NFL guys are also getting the, like, the platinum plan, but I'm sure no, they, they are. No, they, they absolutely are. Speaking of diseases, Tom Herman, uh, Kelsey <laughs> McKinney, you're a, uh, you're a, a known Longhorns fan. 
and which is good. Yeah, hook it's good we have you on this week because uh, Tom Herman's been a disaster at UT, and it, over the past couple of days, uh, there was there were the rumors that he would be replaced by Urban Meyer. Although now there are reports that Urban Meyer has turned them down, which makes things a bit awkward. And so now you, a uh, Longhorns fan, are stuck with Tom Herman, but are you going to be stuck with him for much longer? Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, you hope not, but will you? Probably. I mean, Texas, I don't know what their problem is. They can't recruit anyone. High school players, coaches, <laughs> defensive coordinators, like... I, I don't know what they're doing and not, I mean, Urban Meyer is not like the ideal college coach in my opinion, and that he is constantly ill. Um, but it does seem like, you know, he doesn't love to keep a game within three points and then, you know, go to overtime and then lose. So to me, he would have been better than Tom Herman. You were at Texas during the, the Mac Brown administration. Barely. Yeah. I caught the end. So does, is this worse vibes for you than like, terminal phase of the Mac experience? I mean, I told you this, Roth, but last last week, the week before this, I was watching an NFL game and because, you know, half the players are out with COVID and the other half are injured because of not getting a good preseason, um, there was a man on the field named Garrett Gilbert and I, I like double taked it. They kept saying his name and I was like, there must, you know, there must just be another Gary Gilbert. Like, <laughs> there's no way in hell that this guy I spent three years screaming at from the student section because he was just throwing lateral passes for <laughs> negative four <laughs> yards is playing in the NFL. Like I was so furious and I looked it up on my phone and I called my husband and I was like, Trey, you won't believe it. <laughs> Garrett Gilbert made it to the NFL. And he was like, no, this is that a guy we lie. hated back from school. There he is. Immensely, that we screamed at for years. Like, he did it. <laughs> Mac Brown won a title, too. You can't complain about it. What's incredible is how much they have failed since Mac has been gone. Because they have all the money. They're in one of the kick-ass towns in the fucking universe. Everyone, everyone at the school is good-looking. It's a fun party town. Like you get to you get to ride elevators in the quad, like kids with like elevator surf back when in the nineties and shit like that. <laughs> so it's like there's no there's no good reason for Texas to suck as much as Texas has sucked in the past decade. Also, Texas high school football is the best recruiting in the country yeah! for the most part. I mean, so like you literally have these kids in your backyard and yet they're signing with Bama and OU. Norman sucks. Right. And that's not that's not just my bias. Like compared with Austin, which is a major metropolitan area and has lots of cool shit, Norman should not be where elite high school prospects go. Yeah, I've never been to Norman, Oklahoma, but I've heard incredible things. I mean, just the name itself just sings yeah. to you. Like, Please, no Mr. Way. Oklahoma is my father. <laughs> <laughs> like that one? It's two weeks in a row I made the same dad joke. I love it. Let's take let's take a break and come right back. We're back! Alright, uh, you ready to drink from the Poison Chalice? I gave you a taste of Schefter, which was really uncalled for. But I have even worse things to give you. You guys ready for that? Yeah, this is good. Nice little Event Horizon vibe here. Uh, well, I got, I got a different Woj for you for this one. This is Bob Wojnowski. Not Wojnarowski. Just Bob Wojnowski. Is the Detroit who, guy. Uh, <laughs> who, who writes in, and this is before Michigan... Uh, 
canceled their uh, this weekend's game with Ohio State. Their first cancellation in uh, it's the first time that game will not be played in decades, uh, maybe even a hundred years. He said Michigan canceled. Jim Harbaugh presser scheduled for noon today. Despite optimism in some circles, UM OSU game remains in serious jeopardy. People might be reading the wrong tea leaves. Don't forget who UM's president is. He bent once on playing amid COVID. Not sure he'll bend again. So I love having... What's he even saying there? I think he's saying that UM's president is a serious Michigan man who puts very serious thoughts into matters before gaming on them already on the record. (laughs) That's the part of it that, like, if you're going to mention that part, then you have to rewrite the other stuff. They did end up canceling the games, uh, in part because it turned out that 45 fucking players on Michigan's roster had tested positive for coronavirus. So I, I don't follow football very closely. Is that a lot? Yeah, I guess I guess I got handed to them uh, for canceling that game, but I don't want to. If like, half your roster is sick, you don't get the fucking handshake for doing a good job, man. Like, you just have to not do it. I wrote about, for SFGate, about how I'm not watching college football this season, and I think... You're an asshole if you do. And uh, that's sort of, that's an unfair sideswipe at Kelsey because she's been watching Texas against her oh, better no, judgment. I, you know, I'm off college football. Um, now that Texas is not going to make a bowl game, I don't see any reason for me to keep Well, that's watching, just it. Like, like, it's a principled I, stand. I like that. Yeah, I sort of I sort of gave in to all of it over the past week or two where I, I just accepted that it's just a shit show and it's just going to be the way it is. So I was like, all right, maybe I'll just give in and watch some some shitty college football anyway. And I couldn't watch it. Like, I tried watching it, but it was just like, it was a fucking joke. Like, it was so clearly illegitimate when, like, you know, you know, every Big Ten team has played, like, three and a half games. And, you know, it just, I don't know. Whatever. We've also had this problem with the NFL this year. The games are just terrible. That I don't agree with. I know. I think it's been a great NFL season. Like in terms of just like objective product, I've had no problem with the NFL season. I don't know, dude. There's a lot. They put a lot of really stinky, smelly games on television during primetime. It does seem like the uh, Ray wrote about this earlier in this week that like the NFC East. I was like really ready to just lean into that and be like, "This is yes. it. This is what we deserve." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like now, some of the teams are playing well, and like you know, it's kind the of hottest division out. in football. It's terrible. I know. Which is tough. Like that's like actually annoying to me. Like I was, I what I wanted was like at that perfect entropy of like a shitty world that like is doing stuff it shouldn't be doing, and then like a football division that is like that exactly mirrors it. Yeah, on Monday night I was watching the Teamsters play the uh, the Steelers, and I was I found myself rooting for Washington. Like Awful. I was, I'm so Awful. disgusted by the Steelers. I was like. I was like, you know, Washington could take the lead in this. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm rooting for Washington. I want to die. It was just so, so that the them becoming competitive is like, I guess in some ways, like whatever you do got to hand it to them. Like the defense is good and like they're, you know, spunkier than expected. It, seeing Alex Smith just like bleeding, like just like recreationally bleeding during the game. Like, not even from, like, a, a proximate cause or whatever, but just because, like, that's his leg just does that now. Well, that was the other Horrible. leg, though, wasn't it? Didn't he just get a laceration it's both on both legs his leg? now. <laughs> what? Oh, so it was not the, it was not the bionic no. one? No, it was the other one. Oh, that, well, I don't other, like that either. But the other thing is, that, yeah, I saw his mangled leg, and, like, when he took the field, like, you know, the, the sort of heartwarming stuff 
And I was like, well, I don't feel that great because he could die at any moment. But also, I'm like, he seems like a, a good guy, even though he's sort of fallen under Dan Snyder's like shroud. But uh, I do feel good. that it, It's nice that, that his leg was destroyed and that he somehow managed to come back and beat the Steelers because the Steelers just completely revolt me at all times. So The college football season, I gave up on, on that a long time ago. Just, I mean, it was like the, the choice that I was able to make because I didn't go to a D1 school and I'm not from like a crazy football hotbed or whatever. So it's like, it never really mattered to me that much. And I was like, I can come up with better things to do on a Saturday afternoon. But I, I definitely feel like the the wrangling of this year, like the the back and forth with the athletic directors and the conferences and everybody's constantly moving, you know, different rules around to try to make sure that Ohio State is served properly and all that. Right. Like that to me feels like the I mean, obviously I'm I'm not the representative fan here. It just feels like the end of something in terms of like whatever amateurism was supposed to be like at this point it's just very clearly a shitty exploitive business and the idea that there's somehow like a broader purpose or you know some like secret american uh valor to all of it is just like absolutely by the wayside at this point yeah there's there's no way to to maintain that unless you watched byu coastal carolina and then you were able to- <laughs> which apparently was great it was fantastic, and I, I could not get over the fact, Kelsey, that Coastal Carolina had a teal football field. I was like, wait a second. Like, I texted Spencer Hall. I was like, is that teal? I see. He's like, yep. I was like, holy shit. It was a- Coastal Carolina and Boise just really bringing it yep. home for blue field. I think, one, I think one school has a red football field, but I can't remember. It's one of the directional Illinois, I think. Could be Southern Illinois. That's the it's, it's Saluki red. You know what? I think it is Southern Illinois. Hang Solid. on, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. Bear with me while I Google in real well, you time. Said you, you texted Spencer Hawes. You're not talking about the the guy that played center for the Kings for a while, right? No, I said Spencer <laughs> Hall. You silly goose. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I know it's not it's not the Salukis. Well, it's it's some school that had a red field, and I I respect it. Uh, the guy of the week. We gotta have the guy of the week, and it's a special one for you, Kelsey. Are you ready for the guy of the week? I'm thrilled. Although this may this may predate you your t- your time as a Texas Longhorns fan, but it's former Texas Longhorns quarterback James Brown, the hardest working man in college football. Do you remember James <laughs> Brown? I remember James Brown because when I was in school, Colt McCoy beat several of James Brown's records. Yes, and so there was many many posturings around the beating of James Brown is this like hallowed experience, I guess, which, okay. <laughs> well, the reason, because James Brown made his name, he played for John Makovic, the legendary John Makovic, and, uh, and I think it was the first ever Big 12 title game. I might get this wrong. Like when yeah, the Big he 12. he won the first ever. He won the first ever one against Nebraska. They weren't favored, and the reason they won is because it was fourth and short, and they decided to go for it. It was like around midfield. I don't it was it was it was back in the time when going for it on fourth and short was actually like considered dangerous as opposed to now when like you're supposed to do that. So Makovic called it and it was a play action pass. James Brown uh, you know, faked the handoff, rolled out, threw it to a dude who was wide fucking open down the field, and the play went for like 
I don't know, 40 or 50 yards, and everyone went completely apeshit. It was one of the best plays I had ever seen in college football. So I love James Brown. Love him. Do you feel like Colt McCoy has dishonored his memory in some way? Fuck Colt McCoy. I don't care about Colt McCoy. (laughs) Kelsey, were you there when Case McCoy was was on campus as well? (laughs) Sure was. Hell yeah. Is there a Cody McCoy? No, uh, but there was a Jackson Shipley. Uh, to me, the key to a good football franchise is just to recruit the younger brothers of superstars. Yeah, she made that point that there was like a bunch of like brothers on that team. There were two Achos. There were two Shipleys. I I like Achos, though. I don't think yeah. Case was there while Colt was there. No, I don't think but so. But he was there immediately afterward. Um, yeah, I mean, when I was... the. James Brown, like, just thinking about him, it's like they talk about James Brown and Vince Young in the same breath, right? Because they're the two, like, major UT black quarterbacks. Um, And everyone was like, oh, you know, James Brown opened doors for Vince Young or whatever that means. Um, (laughs) But I was, when you said his name, I was thinking about that because I was like, when was the last black quarterback that UT had? And it's like two, like, true guys, Swoops and Hurd, I don't think either of whom made it to the NFL. I'm not sure. Oh, I, I remember like, swoops. Yeah. You yeah. do? Yeah, I do. <laughs> but I was like, this doesn't seem good for Texas when currently Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts are starting in the NFL. It's like, hmm. So we recruited, let's see, another McCoy. Yeah, like Buddy Garrett Jr. Gilbert. Right. <laughs> like, great, great, great. Solid. The Hurts thing blows me away because Hurts was uh, – Hertz transferred to Oklahoma after getting benched for Tua at Bama, almost won the damn Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma, and now has beaten out Carson Wentz for the Eagles' starting job. That's like, uh, that's just a, a rather astounding career path. for. Yeah, but whoever our quarterback was when he transferred to Oklahoma, I assure you, was worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have, I have no doubt. And uh, your quarterback now, I believe, is legendary Sam Erlinger, right? Yeah, you know, early in the year we were talking Heisman MVP, and now we're uh, we're talking about whether or not he can make a pass for twelve yards. So things are are going well, I think. It would be nice if they just canceled the Heisman ceremony and never brought it back. Like I don't mind. Just pretend it didn't exist. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with retiring the Heisman for good. They'll never do it, but like, well, I've had enough. Rob, you said something earlier about like this year feeling more feeling grosser hearing about college football. And I think a lot of that for me has been because of Trevor Lawrence, like both getting COVID and the conversation around him all year being, will he get drafted by the Jets instead of the conversation being who's going to win the college football championship? Yeah. Like it's very much being treated like a minor league, which sucks. Well, yeah. also, you know, oh, sorry, go ahead, Roy. Yeah, I was going to say like, he shouldn't be there at all. Right. I don't think. I mean, I know there's rules and everything like that, but like, dude was ready at the end of his freshman season. Like, nah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I don't expect change there because I don't know where it would come from. I mean, I just feel like the pressure from below would have to be extreme in a way that like they've never really been able to organize college athletes to bring that kind of pressure. And the people that are overseeing it now are like the single most change averse Americans that have ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the one thing Trevor could do is he could bail on the postseason and not suffer at all for it. Like, I think that's the next step. The one thing that I've noticed about college football, and this started with Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey bailing on their team's respective pole games, was that that's sort of the one sort of 
muscle they can flex is not doing that because they just don't want to get hurt right before the combine. There's no point. So I think it's only a matter of time before a quarterback also does that. And, you know, maybe it won't be Trevor Lawrence because he's under, you know, Dabo's thrall or whatever, but some some quarterback with a brain is going to be like, fuck, I don't need to fucking do this. I'm out on December. I'm out after Christmas. I'm done. Wouldn't be an unreasonable choice. Yeah. Uh, you guys want to play Dead or Canceled? Sure. I'm All terrified. right. I had, a, I had a hard time picking a Dead or Canceled subject for this week, so I'm going to give you two. Give you oh, two. God. Yeah, I'm. It's this is a, was pretty a, nervous a about out. this part because she didn't know about it in advance and couldn't prepare. You're doing Kel- a good job being a podcast guest. No one has to do this part right. This is the no, whole idea. no. Kelsey was just happy bef- that there was no mashup. She was just happy there was no mashup. Yeah, what I'm really concerned about is just my inability to recall names on the spot. So the odds of me even knowing who this person is feel lower to me than they should be. But I I think you'll know it. who both these. <laughs> These people are. So I'll give you the first one. Dead or canceled? Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict. Is he dead or canceled? The rule is that if he's dead, dead takes precedent, right? Correct. So dead and canceled. Right. Dead. Yes. I don't think he's So dead. wait, what is your what is your is guess? Is he not dead? My answer is dead. You are incorrect. Pope Benedict is alive. How? That's, the, that's Ratzinger, right? That's the guy yes. that was... Yeah. Yes, former Hitler youth Joseph Ratzinger, fantastic taste in footwear, retired from the papacy, uh, but is still very much alive, not dead. This is just proof that I'm not Catholic because I thought you had to die as Pope. Uh, no, that, you generally do. <laughs> yeah, like his retire. I remember his retirement being a big deal, where people were like, "He's retiring. Popes can do that." <laughs> like, you can. Have, I you respect can, that. You yeah. can decide <laughs> not to be God's secondhand man. I didn't know you could do He's that. Like, I All right, focus on me. He's like, you know, I've spent a lot of time <laughs> serving God. It's about time that I looked into John. I just I'm remember his first name's John. <laughs> I just remember everyone was like, well, he's a Hitler youth. That's a bit of a problem. And then he like walked out one day in like these red Gucci shoes. And people are like, whoa, those are nice kicks. So <laughs> you got to respect it. Now I'm thinking uh, about the Pope walking out in those like the Yeezys that look like just like infected animal feet. Yeah, the new Yeezys look like like cupcakes upside down. The panda he just, colorway. He lifts his robes to reveal. <laughs> Check these out. Dead um, stock. Talk about young Pope. Uh, your other one, uh, uh, Kelsey, Mickey Rooney, dead or canceled? Cancel. I think Mickey Rooney's dead. dead. Mickey no! Rooney's dead. You got them both fraught. You know what? I have to tell you, I always thought this game was too easy in prior weeks. So I'm actually, it's actually great that you got them wrong. It suggests that there is potential for this game to be challenging. But Mickey Rooney, uh, I don't think, well... Actually, if you count his role in Breakfast at Tiffany's, he very much should have been canceled. Uh Not really his fault. He was just playing the character. But yeah, there's like... I I think when you play Yellowface in a a movie, you know... It's sort of your fault. I, I think it's I think it's your fault, and in fact, in fact, role. I have to be canceled now because I said yellow face instead of Asian face, which is what I, no, I really I, well, whatever. Said. There's terms for it. Everybody knows it's bad. Mickey it's, Rooney probably shouldn't have done it. It's bad, but he died now, so he doesn't have to answer for any of those sins. So, congrats to you, Mickey Rooney. You avoided the scourge <laughs> of cancel got out culture before anybody noticed how fucked up all your stuff was. <laughs> 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 Time for the fun bag. Ah, uh, this is from Gunner. 
He writes in, Kelsey, what happens to a player's or coach's team merch when they get canned or traded? I guess this applies to all sports. They have to wear team stuff all the time, not to mention their partners and or kids do. But do you think they just drop it all off at a thrift store or burn it in a barrel? Or do they keep it as a monument to their failure or discontent? My assumption is that what happens is the same as what happens with the, like, losing team's championship jerseys. The shirts <laughs> that say, like, Super Bowl winner, but it's the wrong it's Super the Bowl winner. or whatever, yeah. Which is that they just ship them to, like, an impoverished country and hand them out. Which I know they do because a bunch of girls that I went to college with went on mission trips. And I saw the photos of these incorrect shirts. So that's my assumption, but I do not know. I uh, I still have a Deadspin shirt that I wear, the stick to sports one, and I don't really I don't have any conflicted feelings about it, even though it's I, a good shirt. You know, we all left to say, yeah, it was a good shirt. So my assumption is that like, if John Harbaugh has an Eagle shirt sitting in his drawer, like he'll wear it like if he like goes on the treadmill at home or something like that. I don't think he like I think I think although these are very very petty small men. I think the majority of coaches and players look back fondly on whatever tenure they had with whatever team they had. And I don't know that, you know, even if they even if they leave under acrimonious circumstances because they were lowballed or some shit like that, I think they probably keep the merch. They just don't, they just can't be seen in public wearing it. I think that's kind of it, right? I mean, all the stuff that I mean, as somebody who both keeps a lot of stuff and then also goes to Goodwill and donates a lot of stuff. Like, I think it probably is uh, harder when you're getting hit off with, like, the full suite of team-issued gear than it is if you, like... I have, like, T-shirts from, you know, places I used to work or whatever, and, like, they're fine. I I, I sleep in them now. I don't go out necessarily in them, but I uh, I do wear T-shirts to sleep in. Again, my haters are furious to know do that you, so many T-shirts. A, do you sleep in a T-shirt? I sleep in a huge, one really long T-shirt. It Do you? Like, like a night shirt? No, I don't. I sleep in a t-shirt oh. and like stupid like basketball shorts. Like an English shorts. gentleman with a yeah. hat that goes to the ground? Yeah, I, I carry a candle around uh, before before bed every night and I theatrically blow it out. A long time ago, like 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 when I was when I was a student, like I, I switched to just boxers and I didn't wear a shirt. And like, but now that I'm like middle-aged, like I get cold a lot easier, like, like a grandma. And so like a couple of times I've tried throwing on a t-shirt when I go to sleep, I'm like, this will do it. This, and then it like starts rying up on my belly, and I'm like, I can't. I can't do this. So I can't do a T-shirt when I sleep anymore. Oh, I almost. I guess I'm just lucky. You, I, you are. You are. Can, the I, other thing is, can I do one brief Goodwill story that I think speaks to what we're talking about here? Uh, you have to. All right. I, everybody loves when I tell stories about going to the garbage store and all the fun things that I find there. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I I've tried to buy less uh, of the silly sports shit that I find just because, like, it's not that big an apartment. And, you know, at some point, I have to, like, come in the door and, you know, like, my wife will be like, what did you get? And I'll be like, no, nah, I don't I don't remember. You know, and then, like, I have, like, a Josh Howard Mavericks jersey in a bag that I'm, like, <laughs> you know, just bought on principle. Um, I got a shooting shirt, like a, you know, like a pregame, like, warm-up thing from the Idaho Stampede which is a D-League team. Ooh. And it is very clearly, like, team-issued. Like, it's huge. It's, like, double XL. It has, like, the year, you know, stitched into it and stuff. Like, so this was, like, I think something that somebody who played for that team 
like had, and then they were like, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to warm up for the Idaho Stampede again. I'm going to donate this to the Goodwill in Yorkville in Manhattan and see, uh, like, maybe, you know, if they'll take it. And then, like, I bought it for $5. And now I have this gigantic jersey that's made in that weird, like, fabric that they use for pregame warm-up stuff where it's both, like, very breathable but also, like, probably flame retardant and definitely involves no natural fibers. <laughs> does, it, does it come down to, like, your knees? Yes. It comes down to, well, it comes down to, like, mid-thigh where you really notice the the... You know, because it's like the person who wore it was like a foot taller than me. So like it's a foot longer than it should be. Where you really notice the difference is that it is exceptionally wide. (laughs) Like it is the sort of thing that I could wear it with another adult would fit in there comfortably with me. And like we would be in each other's personal space, but we wouldn't necessarily be touching. So this would be a, a beefy front court player. This wouldn't be like Randy Livingston. Yeah. So I was trying to like sort of figure out who it might be. Uh, and like, which by which I mean, I like did a post on it. Like, I didn't like, I don't know where to begin in terms of like breaking down the data on where like front court players from the Stampede went. But I got, I ran into a, a wall pretty, uh, pretty quickly. So if if anybody um, from the Idaho Stampede in like the sixteen seventeen seasons listening to the podcast, and I know a lot of people from that team do listen, uh, reach out. Uh, it could be legendary vile Dookie Josh McRoberts. He was oh a wow McBob, but he wasn't like a fat guy. Like you no. would need like a heavier player. He was a hairy guy by that point. He went to he did the the Duke transition where you're like clean cut in college, and then like you do the Cherokee Parks thing where you show up for like your third yeah. NBA season, like looking like you're the singer from Crazy Town. Oh, <laughs> oh, or uh, or Lloyd Daniels. I can't believe Lloyd Daniels played on the Stampede, and so did the immortal Devin Davis, the Double D from Miami of Ohio, a March Madness era. So, wow, this. Well, I, I will look into it. There's Very there's strongly. a deep, rich history to the Stampede that I yeah. think we all need to remember. <laughs> the listeners are enriched. You can feel that. Uh, Adam writes in Kelsey. He says, "Why is there a North and South Dakota?" All talk of making new states to finally break the Republican stranglehold in this country. Should we not also be considering contracting some states? I mean, come on. Many of these states in flyover country have arbitrary borders, populations that may as well be zero, and little to no significant cultural differences among them. How many could you combine? I'm not as uh, I'm not as uh, freewheeling as Adam is, except North Dakota and South Dakota could easily be combined but like i wouldn't combine like virginia and west virginia yeah Kelsey. i wouldn't either you might know more about this than me but i'm pretty sure that north and south dakota were split intentionally to give republicans control of the senate i believe that that is true <laughs> like i think that they were certainly like conceived of that way as part of like some sort of grand bargain it's one of those ap us history bargains yeah it is it's not a great deal yeah like adam, the, adam the said, walker trade of states yeah adam said that every uh, many of these states have arbitrary borders. There's nothing arbitrary about any state's border. There is chicanery behind every single border. I know from watching Aerial America, I learned how Missouri got its boot heel because it was like some dude's ranch and he didn't want to pay taxes uh, like in Arkansas or whatever. So he ended up saying, it, hey, it's part of Missouri. And that's how it ended up being part of Missouri. I think as long as the Senate is structured the way it is, I'm in favor of making more states instead of fewer states. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that is both, like, the sort of thing that a declining empire would do. Like, it definitely has that kind of, like, collapse vibe. Like, you know, uh, 
like the Austro-Hungarian Empire and stuff like that, where they're like, well, we got to get more dukes. Like, otherwise, it's never going to work. We got to start getting more dukies uh, set up. And, like, that's, you know, like, obviously it didn't work out that great for them. But, yes, like, if, given that we are in that stage, I think, of empire, like, let's do it. Like, let's do, like, a new New Jersey. Or, like, let South Jersey be its own state. It's a Republican senator, and it's maybe not necessarily what you want, but I wouldn't have to pretend to have any cultural alignment with them anymore. Okay, but let's 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 respect Adam's wishes and contract some states. Could could you put the Carolinas together, Kelsey? Mm, I could, but I wouldn't. Yeah. The two I would like to combine are Kentucky and Tennessee. Really? That's interesting. Ooh. I think that that's because I think Kentuckians think that they're the South, and so we can just give them that by removing that border. In your mind, is Kentucky not the South? No. What like is geographically? It? There's definitely a case for Kentucky not being the South. I think culturally, they really leaned into that, though. Yeah, you like the rest of the staff thinks Appalachia is like a thing, and I don't. What? I, well, wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kentucky you just say that as a it exists. I know, I know, but you're counting it as like an accepted like region of the country. Like, well, you know, like, uh, like to me, Kentucky's the South. <laughs> is a region of the country. Yeah, but no, you know, nobody like, no, it's not like the same as the Midwest or the West Coast where you're like, no one's like, well, that's Appalachia bias for you. Like that doesn't, like it's not, it's not in the vernacular. Like people don't think of it. Like there's, there's South, Deep South, Texas, West Coast, Pacific Northwest, Midwest, and like the Northeast. And then like the Mid-Atlantic, although that's a relatively new thing, and I live in the Mid-Atlantic, so I don't... Uh, uh, but, like, anything else, it's, like, then I think you're splitting hairs. So Kentucky to me is the South. I think and that I, is one of the craziest things I've ever heard, and I love it. Well, let uh, me but, just minnesota explain <laughs> what the South is to people. Yep. <laughs> I like that when you're laying out the regions, too, that it's like, you know, you got your Midwest, South, Southwest, Texas... Like, just, like, He's just trying not to get into a fight with me. I, no, no, I, appreciate. I, have, <laughs> I have always considered Texas to be its own thing. I don't. That's the correct take. Because so. Texas, Texas wants to be its own thing. It wants to be a nation. So I can't, you know. Three whole years of Texas history to learn that. Yeah, yeah. States, so. Yeah, they teach Texas history <laughs> in schools in Texas. I can't. Three years of it. Oh, my God. We had a New Jersey history unit when I was in elementary oh school. My it was God. mostly just like the people that settled this were Dutch. They were very racist. And that was like the entire <laughs> thing. Yo, this is a fucking bridge that we built. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody came in and like put a condom on a meatball. That was sex education for us. A lot of people know Trenton makes, but they don't know is that the world takes. So. <laughs> oh, uh, Chris writes in, Kelsey, which kitchen implement has the shortest lifespan? It has to be the salad spinner, right? I'm anti-salad spinner, so I, I don't know if I can agree with this. What kitchen implement has the shortest lifespan for you? Cheese grater. No question. Really? My cheese grater is always going dull because I am constantly grating cheese. I feel like I have to buy like three every year. Can uh, can I suggest yeah, you just actually... buy grated cheese? Or that Why would I do it. that, Drew, when I like to create work for myself so that I can't look at my phone? <laughs> I'll refer you to the earlier part of the podcast where uh, Kelsey copped being a recreational spreadsheet user. Like this is not somebody who's point. looking to take the easy way out. That's a good but point. I, I actually hadn't thought about that, but my box grater is dull now, too. And I've noticed You should it buy a new we, one. We, I, again, like, this is the thing with 
you know, being inside and cooking all of your meals in a way that like maybe you didn't before uh, civilization collapsed. It's like I've been creating like ginger a lot. And I've noticed that I'm just like juicing it at this point. Like it's not actually grating in a way that you would want it to grate. It's just kind of like I'm just <laughs> mushing it into this metal thing that makes it get smaller. Can I tell you something? My uh, my grocery store sells refrigerated tubes of pre-grated ginger, and I know that's a cheat, but it's fucking great. I don't. We've talked about that. Like, you're very – for somebody that I think of as being a serious food person, you have, like, just for that, like, has given me a new perspective on the idea of buying, like, minced garlic or something I, like that. I won't I would buy minced garlic because Bourdain was against it, and, like, I have to do what Bourdain says. But pre-minced ginger, uh, I can – I can let that slide. That's all right. My entire goal in cooking is to not look at my phone. That's my whole goal. Yeah. So the longer it takes and the more tedious it is, the better it is for me. I'm like, oh, I have to slam all of these pieces of garlic. That's one more second I can't scroll on my phone. I love it. The other thing about yeah. pre-grated cheese is that in order to keep it separated, there is a there is some sort of preservative on each shred. Uh so oh, like good. when you that's extra that's yum. Bonus. So like when you melt it and stuff like that, it melts kind of weird and it's not great. So when you grate your own cheese, you do get a superior grated cheese product. However, I'm too lazy to do any of that shit, so I just broke. <laughs> like, oh, By the way, my my answer to the question is a, a nonstick skillet. I go through nonstick skillets like like underwear. It's just terrible. I so we have one and. Did you watch the uh, that movie Dark Waters, the Todd Haynes movie from like a year or so ago? So basically, no. like all the the chemicals that go into non making a nonstick thing are like hilariously toxic. And of course, Dupont was dumping them in West Virginia. Dupont, one of our <laughs> probably not a future sponsor of the podcast, uh, so I can say this like just one of our great corporate villains in history. And the movie is basically about the long struggle of a lawyer to get them to be held to account for that. Uh, the movie itself, because of like, not just like the chemicals and the things that they did to people, there's one bit in there where, uh, Mark Ruffalo is asking an expert, he's like, what would happen if you ingested this, like this amount of this chemical? And the person's like, that's like, it's like asking me what happened if you ate a tire, like you couldn't do it. (laughs) And the idea of eating a tire has been on every time I've touched the nonstick skillet since. I'm like, well, is that really what you want to have for dinner? You want to have like crispy skin on your fish and a tire in your body? I know. And so like, I've been <laughs> trying hard not to do it. Uh, you know, I know people swear by like cast iron and like and like all clad skillets and stuff like that. And I always want to be one of those purists and stuff like that. But everything sticks, and I fucking hate it. And I just yeah, end up cast iron's a pain in the ass to me. Kelsey, are you disciplined enough to make cast iron stuff work? I am a cast iron person, okay. but I don't care if like the extra stuff on the cast iron is on my food. That's fine. That's protein for me. That's like, and it, that's like nature's nonstick skillet. I just am not good enough. I always like screw up the seasoning on the, the, the skillet itself and I'm worried that it's like rusting and I'm fucking it up or whatever. Yeah. Or you got like soak it oil in it like overnight or some bullshit like that. I hate all that. I've been buying so much kitchen stuff this year because I'm cooking constantly and I had a nonstick skillet that I think I had had for like eight years that just like completely crapped out in like May, maybe. And I bought one of those all clad things. It was like relearning to cook. 
I was like, I don't know how to do this. Everything is stuck. Like, it's yeah, a huge it learning curve. Like, but also, I had nothing better to do. So. They're like, oh, well, that's what the restaurants use because everything they use has a stick of butter in it. So nothing sticks. Yeah. <laughs> that's the part yeah. of it. All the, like, tips and tricks, I was for a while, again, like, it, because we're all, like, whatever, trapped indoors and, like, just doing the same things over and over. I got really into trying to figure out how to, because we don't, my wife doesn't eat meat, but we eat a decent amount of fish and trying to figure out how to get, like, a crispy skin on fish reliably without it sticking to the pan. And I did it, you know, I've probably done it a hundred times since the pandemic started. And it's like, you can sort of do it, you know, there's like things that make it likelier that it won't stick. And like using a nonstick pan, definitely like that works. Like, I've yes. got, you know, but like, it also feels like cheating. And again, it's like, as Kelsey said, like, this is all a way to sort of like punish yourself and uh, keep yourself away from things that are, uh, you know, sort of, immediately fulfilling like looking at twitter and the like the one thing that works in terms of doing that is just like you have to have the pan be full of like oils and fats (laughs) and like it makes the fish taste good too but it does feel like cheating like it's just you wouldn't want to cook at home the way that people cook in restaurants because you'd get sick i think you should give yourself more permission to cheat while cooking Probably. Like, just nuke the fish. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, let's do our email of the week. It's a very nice, heartwarming email of the week. Uh, this one's from Ryan. It's not a question. It's just a story. As a teacher, I am required to take my students outside for a 10-minute mask break every period of the day. This necessitates leaving my home, at-home learners sitting on our Google Meet while those of us in school disappear for 10 minutes. I have taken it upon myself to announce our return to the room to our learners at home with your opening of the podcast by pro- proclaiming, we're back, two times as goofily as I can muster. <laughs> I'm sure they all think I'm just a complete weirdo, but it amuses me, and I thought you'd like to know. And Ryan, I did like to know. That's, That's great. Very. Isn't that so nice? And Kelsey, so nice. were you a nice guest? It was lovely to have you. Oh my you. God, thank you for having me. That's right. And the book is God Spare the Girls. You can pre-order it right now anywhere books are sold. And I have read it, and it is good. So do that. I read it already. I read it, and I gave Kelsey notes like a dickhead. So. He was very helpful. It was. It, it was. It was. It was a pleasure to read, and I. Um. I. I. I'll read it again. I read it in, with the new and improved, and it's hardcover, so I get to keep it on a bookshelf. It's all tasteful and whatnot. I'll probably wait for it to come out because no one sent it to me early. I'll wait for the movie. Brandon Nix is our producer and Thank engineer. You, Drew. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer, and Stitcher's chief content officer is TK TK TK. Our theme song is by the immortal <laughs> Kirk Hamilton, and you can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to Roth, Kelsey, and me. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. You go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Treat yourself. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to Defector.com, too. And buy your loved ones, or even people you don't like, a gift subscription by going to Defector.com slash holiday-gift. For a gift subscription, you get a free tote bag, which we all love. Mine has not arrived yet, and I'm getting a little bit pissy about it. But have you gotten one yet, Kelsey? I have not. I'm looking Mm. forward to it. But that's the fun of the gift subscription. It makes a great gift. The tote, you can put stuff in, and it makes an even better prank. That's right. That's right. I am totes excited for my tote. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see ya. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.